Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Thursday, February 20th. I'm Wayne Pratt. A play now on stage at the Black Rep tackles the white expectations of blackness that black actors are sometimes asked to fulfill. You still have white directors and white writers who want to tell you you're not black enough. Can you do it blacker? What do you mean? I'm as black as I'm going to get. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin talks with the team behind the play Spell Number 7. First, the headlines. St. Louis County could soon restrict development in flood-prone areas to prevent future flood damage. As St. Louis Public Radio's Eli Chen reports, government officials along the Merrimack River are split on whether the policy will benefit residents. The St. Louis County Council has proposed lowering the amount of water new construction can displace from one foot to one inch. That would apply to just unincorporated parts of the county. Jefferson County adopted this policy last summer, Renee Reuter of the Jefferson County Council says it's necessary to protect residents. If they fail to pass this, it will flood our people more if they continue to build in their floodway. But Eureka Mayor Sean Flowers says adopting a bill like this would negatively affect property owners. They would be subject to big insurance hikes and they would be subject to all sorts of limitations on things they could do with their existing properties. St. Louis County Council could vote on this bill in coming weeks. I'm Eli Chen, St. Louis Public Radio. St. Louis County is kicking off its search for a new police chief. Several residents at a police board meeting in North St. Louis County yesterday want Lieutenant Colonel Troy Doyle to get the job. He's one of the department's top administrators. Doyle says he's waiting for more details about the selection process. When I joined the county police department, it was nothing that ever came to mind. I enjoyed you know, my time as being a police officer, and uh, I never ever thought about being chief of police, you know. Doyle would become the department's first African-American chief if he is selected. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker has outlined how he wants to spend money from a graduated income tax, but only if voters approve it in November. More on that from reporter Brian Mackey. In his annual budget message to the General Assembly, Pritzker laid out a spending plan that would hold in reserve about $1.5 billion. That money is contingent on voters approving a constitutional amendment this fall. Because this reserve is so large, it inevitably cuts into some of the things that we all hold most dear. Increased funding for K-12 education, universities and community colleges, public safety, and other key investments. To be more specific about it, if the voters turn thumbs down on the graduated income tax, there would be one fewer class of new state troopers. The path to equity for schools would be delayed, and university funding would effectively be cut. Ultimately, Pritzker says Illinois' financial challenges are significant but manageable. I'm Brian Mackey. The Black Rep opened a new production this week that examines the stereotypes black performers are often asked to enact. It traces those stereotypes back in American history to a once popular art form. As St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports, Spell Number 7 also deals with the toll those stereotypes take on performers who portray them. Black Rep founder and artistic director Ron Himes says black actors often face a curious phenomenon, showing up for a job, and having a white authority figure try to adjust their 
level of blackness. You still have white directors and white writers who want to tell black people how to play black, who want to tell you, you're not black enough. Can you do it blacker? Well, what do you mean? I'm as black as I'm going to get. You know, I've been this black for this many years. I mean, how much blacker do you want me to be? And just what do you mean? Heim says that attitude, that black actors have to look and sound a certain way to meet white expectations of what black is, it goes way back. Spell number seven traces it back to minstrel shows, which for a period in the 1800s were the most popular form of live entertainment in America. White actors blackened their faces and portrayed black people as a fixed series of buffoonish character types, including the strong, menacing Buck and the happy, dancing Jim Crow. Some black troops performed their own minstrel shows. To be accepted by white audiences, they had to play the same characters. We are constantly working still under that shadow where these negative images, these negative perceptions of black people, these stereotypical roles that we have been forced to play still dominate the industry, film, television, the theater. The result is a distorted expression of black identity, and it can take a mental toll on the actors who are compelled to meet these expectations. Actress Jacqueline Thompson says the types of roles black women get to play tend to involve a lot of violent victimhood. For a black woman, there's a lot of trauma that I've experienced on stage. I've been beat, my kids have been killed, I've been raped on stage, I, I've had all these traumatic experiences happen. So how do you let that go? How do you process that? One way is by untangling this history, as Spell Number 7 does. St. Louis native Nitazaki Shange, who died in 2018, wrote it as a follow-up to her play for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. Like that play, Spell Number 7 is set in St. Louis, in a bar frequented by black artists, actors, dancers, poets. They talk about the challenges facing a black artist in a field dominated by white people, in a series of monologues, like this one by Christina Yancey. I am simply gonna brush my hair. Rapunzel, pull your tresses back into the tower and Lady Godiva give a horseback ride. I'm going to alter my social and professional life dramatically. As the actors in Spell Number 7 move around the stage, they cross over a striking visual. A large image of a blackface mask painted onto the stage. Another one hangs above. Brian McKinley plays Lou, the MC of Spell Number 7. His costume suggests one of the character types from Minstrelsy who typically wore a tattered top hat and ran the show. McKinley says he sees the themes from the show play out in his own career, when he wonders if directors will even consider a black actor for a certain role. As a black artist, wondering if I fit the bill, there have been multiple times when I've like debated on going into an audition season where I don't know if I want to cut my hair or leave it as an afro, or what should I do? Like, am I cutting myself off from too many roles? As the director, Himes is mindful of not creating more trauma for actors performing in this play. When it was time to don blackface masks in rehearsal, he repeatedly checked in with them to be sure everyone was okay. But acting in this show has been a positive experience for McKinley. This show really, really helps me to embrace, you know, my identity as a black artist. I, I can wear my hair however I want. If they want me, they want me. Spell number seven ends on a note of celebration, of being black and loving it. That's a sense of joy that Himes hopes will spread from the stage to the audience. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, St. Louis Public Radio. 
Our David Casares edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt from the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.